Welcome to episode eight of the Play Your Yards Right podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm here with my co-host Sarah, as always. And happy Fourth of July. Fourth uh, of July is exciting, but mm-hmm. the sports calendar is not. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are going to be finding, scraping the dregs of the uh, MLB, and at least we have NBA free agency. Yes. And then you have gotten yourself into the Tour de France a little bit, yes. which are uh, I feel like that, if anything, says how barren the sports calendar yes. is. Yes, I was at first. I'll get into it. I watched a Netflix documentary on change, which before the tour and it got me into it but now that I'm like talking to you about it before the show I'm like maybe I'm just really desperate yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if it's actually as cool and as exciting as I've led myself to believe it to be yeah. maybe I'm just desperate but we'll see um I thank God for NBA free agency though because otherwise this podcast would be literally five minutes yeah. because there's nothing going on <laughs> we're gonna probably keep it brief today anyway it is a holiday you know we hope everyone's out playing yard games mm-hmm. at the pool enjoying themselves but we can start off with some MOB talk I feel like we're going to be going on the ropes here as yeah. a podcast. The Orioles and Yankees facing off in a what I think could be crucial series in the next few days um, as we're heading into the second half of the season here um, and the Orioles going down to New York. I'm hoping they can come out unscathed, but there's a potential for the Yankees to overcome them here. Um, still second to the Rays, obviously, but I think this will be a big series and hopefully we can survive. A hundred percent. I think we'll be okay if we got through that Knicks Heat series. I think mm-hmm. this this feels like small potatoes at the moment. Yes. You know, if, if it's really coming down to the wire close to the, uh, you know, figuring out who's making playoffs, wild card seedings. But right now, it's uh, watching these two AL East. Uh, you know, this is this is a hell of a series. So mm-hmm. I mean, the, whatever the uh, we're we're recording this on the fourth. So yesterday, the third, the uh, the Orioles came out. I think they went up three nothing, and it just felt like the Yankees were on the ropes. But then fought back and ended up winning six three. That game is in a rain delay right now, but we'll see how game two plays out. This feels like a game that's going to go to a rubber you know rubber match game three to see who. Uh, who pulls the series out? But I, uh, I think that this could be a big move for the Yankees, especially after that perfect game. I, uh, I'm hoping that that's going to springboard the Yankees, uh, at least emotionally, into something, uh, something a little more exciting. That perfect game, though, I just, uh, I feel like it doesn't have the same shine. Obviously, there's only been 23 of them prior mm-hmm. to this. Like, it's given the amount of games that have, you know, the Major League Baseball has been around since the 1800s, and for the fact that there's only been 24 of them, yeah. like. I mean, that's, that's, crazy. that's, that's insane. Crazy. But then, uh, you know, when everybody's like, oh, yeah, Domingo Armand, the guy that got suspended for, like, beating up his girlfriend and, like, you know, keeps getting suspended for, like, sticky stuff mm-hmm. on the inside of his glove. And it's like, man, it's, you know, really cool that there's a perfect game. I just wish that it could have been with somebody a little, bo- little mm-hmm. bit more, like, relatable and likable. Yeah. Well, since you opened the door to that, I was going to keep the comment to myself that <laughs> is it really a perfect game against a frailing, frailing franchise? Like, does it really count? A, a perfect game is a it perfect counts, game. It counts, it counts. But in my head, you know, you see that aside from, you know, obviously that drama, just the opponent themselves. Yeah. Like, you can't help but be like, oh. Right, okay. like no hitting the Dodgers like, is a very but, different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not no hitting the uh, the Angels or the Dodgers or like yeah. somebody who's uh, who's on a tear right now. But baseball is getting fun. You know, mm-hmm. it always it's it's exciting when it's in the summer. Yeah. The right now it seems like I don't really know who's going to beat the Braves. It seems like basically their whole team is like going to the All Star game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acuna Jr. seems like he's an absolute stud. Um, I did see a funny video that was um, basically somebody was yelling at Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. uh, being like, you're never going to be Acuna, you're never going to be Acuna, and Bryce Harper turned around like, it's Acuna. <laughs> so that was the first, like, likable, relatable thing I think that I've ever seen Bryce Harper do. He's always yeah. seemed, like, kind of cocky, arrogant, mm-hmm. like, I don't really care about him too much because he's yeah. never really been beating the Yankees, and he, uh, you know, I've just never really rooted for him, but I thought that was uh, that was very funny, so... 
That's, that's that's MLB it. for me. That's all I have. I'm I'm hoping the All Star Game will be fun. Mm-hmm. The uh, at least the beginning parts of the home run derby are always yeah. like fun to watch and exciting. I feel like yeah. they're always like throwing in random rules. Sometimes it's yeah. good, sometimes it's bad, but dingers are always a good time. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, I feel like they need like a little cheat sheet like at the start of every home run derby because yeah. like I just like turn it on and pop it, and every year I'm like, what is this situation they have? Like they whether they match ups or different clocks, you know, the bonus rounds or whatever. I yeah. wish they would just like kind of keep like it timings and timeouts yeah. and stuff. Then my favorite part is always the person in the home run derby who like has a pitcher that's like their dad or there's mm-hmm. some random person yeah. that just like can't really get it going, and yeah. their pitches are just all over the yeah. place. It's like mm-hmm. it feels like if you're getting in the home run derby, obviously it's not the huge, not the you know, not the biggest deal unless you're Pete Alonso. Yeah. Where I think that's basically your World Series every that's year. What he is now. Um, mm-hmm. But it just feels like you should be able to like maybe practice a little bit with a guy that's going yeah. to just be able to groove fastballs right yeah. where you want them. I think it's just sick to say you were in the home run derby. Yeah, and, that's, and you that's can win it. Like that picture with the cool, like that's a cool trophy with the bat, like yeah. the cross bats. I feel like that's always just a cool mm-hmm. one to have. So we'll uh, maybe we can preview that. We can uh, see who mm-hmm. we think is going to win that. But that's always a fun time. It so is. whatever. I feel like they're pomp and circumstance. I feel like they do always draw it out. It's always like a couple days. Oh, yeah. Um, of like things that are just kind of kind of interesting, kind of similar to the I guess the ML, the NBA does the same thing, but it's always a fun All Star game. You throw it on for a little bit; it's good in the mm-hmm. background. Like I really don't care about the All Star game too much, but home run derby, I'm always all in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we move on. NBA free agency has been wild yes. the past few days. Um, I have some comments, I guess, on the Miami Heat, which we can start with mm-hmm. first. You know, get off here. We want Damian. I mean, at this point, it's a necessity, I feel like, for the Heat to feel like they had a positive offseason. They lost Vincent and Struess, which I don't know how you look at it. They feel like big losses right now. They were mm-hmm. key, you know, core players in this playoff push, despite maybe some, you know, inconsistencies, especially in Struess. But um, right now, it feels like they're in the negative, and if they can secure Dame, I think that definitely brings us brings us into that positive push. Uh, Cody Zeller's gone. So oh, that's a relief. I was like, this is the most irrelevant thing that I actually heard that nowhere, like anywhere else other than like this deep in this NBA draft, <laughs> like mm-hmm. analysis, like it just went so under the, yeah. under the wall. No one really cared. He's gone. He signed like a one year deal. Um, but yeah, they're bringing back Josh Richardson, former heat player. So yeah, I think everyone, I think I can speak on behalf of the Miami fan base and say that we're just waiting to see what transpires with Dave. Yeah. And I'm- I wonder if they can make that happen because obviously, I mean, I imagine that's going to be a huge price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, I if is Damian Lillard might be one of the more, most likable guys yeah. in the NBA because it's like also he's on a team that nobody cares about mm-hmm. that nobody sees play and then they watch him. It's like oh man, he put up forty or fifty yeah. again, and it's just like exciting to watch. So it does seem like an ideal landing spot. Why would you not want to go play with Spolstra, Butler, and just have that? heat culture and be able to mm-hmm. go run through the east hopefully you know i mean obviously yeah. the east is kind of a buzzsaw now but you saw what jimmy butler was able to do with these cobbled together pieces right. imagine if he actually had like an all-star point guard with him i think that's kind of scary and then uh, you mentioned cody zeller going to the pelicans on a one-year deal i don't know if there's a funnier like yin and yang of a front court imagining <laughs> zion williamson and cody <laughs> zeller together <laughs> watch having them like going into dinner uh together it just seems uh seems really hilarious but the, I, just, I almost feel bad for the uh, for the Trailblazers. It's like they whatever they give basically like a max deal or some gigantic deal to I don't even remember somebody that doesn't even matter that much. I think it was Jeremy Grant. It was like four years, yeah. one hundred and sixty mm-hmm. million or something. And it's like this, you know, what are yeah. we doing here? Obviously, yeah. it's like people don't want to go there. I guess I don't know if the teams ran poorly. People don't really want to live in Portland. That's a you know, it's a tremendous amount of travel because you're basically right. far away from everybody else yep. that you're playing against. But 
I, I feel kind of bad for him. It's yeah. just like you, you get to, you know, you're basically going to lose your, uh, like the most, um, like honest, honorable guy that was like really gave it all for this and just yeah. like wanted so bad for somebody to like come and do it. Mm-hmm. Like those years with him and CJ McCollum were fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that it basically kind of seems like the way that the NBA works now where a player says, I really want to go here. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like the teams always just find a way to make it work. Yeah. So, I mean, but also I don't know if the Heat are a franchise that's going to be like, we're going to mortgage our entire future and give away our whole, you know, every draft pick we have and every star player to get this guy because it does seem like they're run pretty well from the top down. Yeah. So I think if there's a way for it to happen, I think it will. Yeah. But who knows? Um, and then now I'm going to step away from the heat a little bit. Love what the Knicks are doing. Mm-hmm. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too splashy. Signed DiVincenzo. We're basically just making uh, you know Villanova Knicks. Everybody <laughs> that won that. Uh, everybody that yeah. you know won that year with uh, with Villanova. So I'll bring it back to DiVincenzo to play with Hart and uh, Hart and Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, like it. I think we also moved whatever we, moved, we traded away uh, Obi Toppin to the Pacers mm-hmm. for two second rounders, which I think is fine. I don't yeah. really see Obi Toppin his playing his role getting bigger. No. Um, if anything, what I kind of like about uh, what's going on now, I can kind of see. I I don't think that they would ever go for this, but I in my kind of like if I was playing two K, what I would want to do is move R.J. Barrett into maybe running the second team with Emmanuel quickly. Okay. So that way he can actually get some scoring opportunities. Yeah. And that way, like, our second team is ran by, like, two very good players. Yeah. So kind of having DiVincenzo and Brunson and Josh Hart all kind of running the uh, running with the first team, mm-hmm. that gives us some scoring on the second team. So who knows how that goes. Then the other kind of major moves, I think getting uh, the uh, the Rockets signing Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks is yep. very funny to me. Again, talk about yin and yang. Like Van yeah. Vliet seems like the steady hand at the helm, and then Dylan Brooks just seems like the absolute yeah. wild card. So yeah. I think maybe they average out at two pretty decent players. I feel like Dylan Brooks going to Houston is just like where he goes for his career to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe not career to die, but just to be like blending in under a new identity. Yeah. That could be it too. Like he's like entering the witness protection program <laughs> going, down to, going down to Houston and going to be playing under a new identity. Because it was clear, I mean, yeah. after the last year, he was out. You yeah. know, they, no one wanted anything to do with him. I'm surprised. I mean, he's a solid player. I think he took a lot more heat. Like his play took a lot more heat than he actually deserved. Mm-hmm. Um attitude deservably so but i think it would be solid for them and maybe he just has a second development yeah. in his career here witness Partey just shaves yeah. his head like <laughs> new haircut maybe some plastic surgery just yep. the new guy because everybody just wants to crush him um yeah i just don't uh i don't know what they're doing I, it's all the money that's being thrown around right now that's is crazy. just insane it's like insane. the number it's like the numbers are one thing but then it's you see the people that they're attached with it's like you know fred van Lee. like sure i'm not saying he's a bad player but right. this guy's getting a gigantic contract and mm-hmm. lamella ball again good player but he's getting a max deal yeah. is that it's just the amount of money that these guys are, are getting it's i wouldn't be surprised if it was a, i mean again they're all kind of aging now but the lebron james the kevin durant's like these you know somebody like uh dame lillard Mm-hmm. Sure, if Max Deal, that doesn't surprise me. But seeing Max mm-hmm. Deal next to LaMelo Ball's name yeah. is just surprising to me. Yep. And then uh, I always like, uh, again, maybe it's just because, again, the Knicks fan, Homer, but I think that the Celtics uh, making that move for Kristaps Porzingis on yeah. a two-year deal, if he can stay healthy, I think that that really uh, catapults them to a new level. Because when, he, you know, when he's healthy and when he's playing well, nobody, he, whatever, he was just on the... On the Wizards that I don't think anybody watches. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So between him being hurt and being on the Sixers, I don't think anybody says his name anymore. But watching him play, I mean, he's he's 
a giant. He's mm-hmm. the same kind. Of, it was the same kind of deal as uh, you know all these kind of tall European dudes that right. can dribble and shoot threes. So obviously the injury bug is a huge thing for him. It seems like he's missed periods of I think every season since he tore his ACL with the Knicks. Um, but two years, sixty million. You know, having a big shooting three, it's kind of like a you know having another a younger version of an Al Horford. If he can kind of have a good second half of his career, I think yeah. that could be huge for the Celtics. I think that will open things up for Tatum as well. There, like just in terms of whether he's able to shoot three, a bigger presence, you know, in the paint, I think that will give him a lot more scoring opportunities. So I think I agree. I definitely think it's a good move. That's really all I had. Yep. I don't know anything. You know, there's been stuff slowly going on, you know, since then. Chris Paul. Um, yeah. Yep. That's you a- know, I think that it's just, it's coming to a head in the past few days. There's just been a lot. But again, like you said, I think the biggest thing is the amount of money these guys are getting is absolutely insane. It's not even like they're playing, like LaMelo Ball, I guess you would say, like they're paying him to be the player they think he's going to be. Yeah. But it's not even that. Like they're just play, paying like random guys, like absurd amounts mm-hmm. of money. It just seems like they're throwing money around to throw money around yeah, at this I'm point. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Yeah, the Blazers are paying Jeremy Grant five years, $160 million. Yeah. Does he make $160 million? Yeah, that's <laughs> like where... I feel like he's not even the best brother of no. the Grant brothers. No. And that's, I mean, that's just an insane amount of money. So good for them. I mean, I obviously would rather see the money in these guys' hands than usually these owners' hands. Right. I, I, I appreciate that. But other than that, you know, big stuff. Kyrie Irving, I think I was, I was a little surprised by that as well. Yeah. Um, it seemed like the kind of thing they were going to uh, give it a shot and see how it likes. But... The only thing I, I would trust that Mark Cuban and uh, Luka Doncic have talked about this, and I think that they must all think it's a good idea because I really don't think that they want to lose per- It was a perplexing one, though, yeah. for sure. He does, he does seem like not the best guy that you want in the locker room, no. but I uh, I think it's working. It must, it must be working for them, and I think you give Luka the keys to the castle. I think yeah. whatever he wants, I think you bring in the kind of players he wants. So I would assume that they're fine with it. And when Kyrie Irving, yeah. obviously aside from him being a complete nut job, mm-hmm. um, is amazing on the, on the court. So yeah. if they can kind of quell the outside nonsense right. – Make him stop posting anti-Semitic stuff and walking around courts with Sage. Maybe I, he's <laughs> someone who some stability could like really benefit yeah. from, right? Like the instability bouncing around from different teams. Maybe it's just not the best for someone whose personality and you know beliefs might seemingly be <laughs> unstable. And yeah. I feel like if, like you said, if you trust in anyone, like Mark Cuban would be the one, yeah. one in Luca. I don't think they're going to want to ha- let him hang around if they think it's a bad idea and if right. someone isn't on board. So we'll see. I mean, he's barely been on the court anyway. So if, if he, him staying healthy is a whole different thing. But love watching. Luca and I don't want to see that get diminished. Maybe you hate it. Maybe uh, maybe the Knicks end up trading for Luca. I don't know. Let's uh, maybe let's let's. You're speaking that. Yeah. Take this <laughs> I just gotta put it out there. I'm not gonna not say just it. Throw it out there. So <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the most fun free agency. I'll give them that. Like they actually aren't afraid to make moves. All these players yeah. move around. You don't really see too much in any other sport. So no. I'll always give them props for that. We can be in the mm-hmm. offseason. This can actually be uh, be some interesting talk. So we'll get excited about it. Um, Hopefully the Knicks can start, you know, can keep making some moves, maybe make some trades. The draft was always fun. So mm-hmm. ready for NBA, and then we'll kind of forget about it. Football's yeah. going to happen, and then uh, until about Christmas or January, then uh, we'll the NBA will heat yeah. up again. It does feel weird to think like we're talking about next year's offseason moves, but I know full well, like, I'm done with NBA. Yep. I will not be touching <laughs> any content related to NBA once football season really picks up, but... It's fun. It's been exciting. It's definitely provided us something, some yeah. sort of sports to watch during this dead period. The, so yeah, and this will this will be the kind of thing where we'll cut to on December. Where we're having that conversation like, oh shit, remember Christoph Porzingis mm-hmm. is on the Celtics. Yeah, <laughs> yep. we're gonna do a reminder list for sure. Absolutely. So that's about all I have yeah. on NBA, and I think I would like to hear about your Tour de France. Yeah. 
So I'll start it off. If anyone listening is actually a Tour de France fan, like I'm going to get ripped apart yeah. because <laughs> I am not proclaiming to be an expert by any means. Um, a lot of different names that are difficult to pronounce and like mm-hmm. pronounce multiple different ways. But basically a couple weeks ago, um, my husband and I watched the Unchained documentary on Netflix about the Tour de France. It covered last year's Tour de France. So I was a distance runner in college. I always kind of like felt like, oh, okay, like cycling, similar, right? Mm-hmm. Endurance sport. Yeah. But no. The Tour de France has a lot of strategy and drama that I'm here for. And I think watching it, I would recommend you watch the documentary. The Tour de France did start the day we're recording this on the 4th. They've had four series. It's 21 days long with two rest days. So that in itself is crazy. They bike for like four to six hours for 19 or 21 out of 23 days straight. Like going all out, like multi like thousand meter climbs, like that itself, like, is an insane level of athleticism. To be yeah. sitting, leaning on that bike, like, hunched over the bike for six hours for 21 days. And then have to get up and do it again the and next then day. Again, and the next and day. And there's no days off. Because, basically, there's a basic, a general um, classification, which is, like, the best overall fastest time. So, mm-hmm. you cannot take days off if you want to get this GC, you know, the general classification. Um, because it's all cumulative time-based. So, there truly is no days off. But then there's also what I like the most. There's different little jerseys they get to wear based on like what position they're in. So if you're the best climber, you get a polka dot jersey. Okay. If you're the overall like fastest time yellow jersey. And then there's one that's the, um, it's called the like, it's basically the most competitive, combative. I think it's called the combative award where you like stir up the most drama in that stage and you get a jersey. You that a whole day special for jersey being for the that? most dramatic. Yeah. We should implement that in every other sport. I know, right? Like, I was like, imagine that, like, Antonio Brown would be all over yeah. that competitive jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lot of strategy. And basically, what I found to be interesting is at the beginning of the tour, so it's, Every day is a stage. So you yeah. want to have someone win the stage. That's good, you know, for your team. But really, it's the ultimate general classification, the overall winner for the cumulative time. So basically, your team has to strategize. Like, you try and protect one person to win that general classification. So you have multiple riders, five, six, seven, to pay upon if people drop out. And you're trying to protect that one person by, like, getting in front of them. So you're blocking the wind or falls are a really big thing and stuff. Um, so you're basically sacrificing everyone else's day for this one person. Yeah. But, like, what happens if that one person doesn't have a good... Like, it shifts throughout the tour on, like, who you're trying to protect. So, it can cause a lot of inter-team drama. Like, if, say, the top two teams right now... Like, I think it's out of the top six riders currently, there's two guys from two teams. Okay. So, that's dramatic. Because, like, as the tour goes, how are you going to choose which of those two guys who are very far up who's going to be protected? And, like, they all have different strengths. Like, some of them are really good at climbing. Others good at sprints. And then, depending upon, like, the store or the stage, there's, like, different ones that you might be good at because of that. So it's a lot of drama, but my favorite part of it all is there's a term called a domestique, okay. which is basically literally some people's role is to be, it means servant, to be the servant for the person who they want to be the general classification. So some people literally make a living in a in cycling by acting as a domestique where they just are sacrificing themselves in different stages to protect someone so else. So they're also like, like they're also a cyclist. Yeah, they're professional cyclists. And it's and their job to there. just eat the shit. Like yeah. just maybe go out in front and like create the, you know, whatever, break the wind for them. And exactly. Do, like, yeah. So like imagine if other sports, <laughs> other sports started categorizing guys as like domestiques. Servants. <laughs> so I'd be like, so, like your support player. Yeah. Models, basically. Right. Or like tight ends in some regard yeah. right? like when they're blocking stuff like it's so interesting that it has these levels of what other different sports have but it's just 
very blunt in how they categorize and strategize for it. But like, imagine if like NBA free agency say, like you go out and you're like looking to build domestiques. Like right. I was like, Draymond Green, domestique. Like yeah. he's in their first defense. He's not yeah. a big scoring machine. Like he's sacrificing himself for better or for worse with his drama and antics for the team. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I mean, I, I like it so far. I would definitely recommend watching the documentary free ad, I guess, for Unchained sure. documentary on Netflix. Um, because that helps you learn all of like the behind the scenes like strategy and kind of how it works. But then watching tour, the only thing is on it's on at like six a.m. Eastern right. time. So, but the races are like four or five hours, so they usually finish around ten or eleven, and you can watch like clips of it on your phone. So that's what I've been doing. But I don't know, am I desperate for a good sports or Maybe. is it actually good? Who knows? That sounds actually interesting because that does sound almost like the uh, obviously everybody got pretty into uh, Drive to Survive. Yes, and it just sounds like a little bit more of that. Yes. But this sounds more relatable because like everybody's ridden a bike before yeah. and everybody's like, oh, that's actually impressive. Where it's like, I really yeah. have no kind of idea what it's like to drive a race car. Yeah. I'm like, I, and I've never, I've never been a NASCAR yeah. guy. I've never been like, it's like, I just don't really care about that too much. Right. And like the show, the drama is kind of fun and like yeah. you like the guys, but as far as like talent goes, it always feels like there's one guy who's faster and like he starts ahead of everybody and you can't pass. So it's like, the race is almost a foregone yeah. conclusion. This sounds like that, but mm -hmm. with a little bit more relatability and a little bit more like Oh, yeah. Excitement. Like guys, like chains, like come off. Like remember when you were a kid, yeah. you're like riding your bike and your chain comes off. Yeah. You're like stranded on the side of the road, like with like all the rust on your hands yeah. and everything. <laughs> like that happens in the races. And then all like you, they cut, like their coaches mm -hmm. are in cars, like following them. And you just like, they cut to them and they're on the microphones. They're like, what the sheets? Like, yeah. like freaking out and like yelling. And then they're like trying to get the guys the bikes. Yeah. And like, you can see like when they're going up like steep, steep climbs, like there's fans and the thing that's amazing about the Tour de France is like the fan, like it's hundreds of miles and it's lined with fans the entire way. Cause it's just so big in Europe, but the fans can be like walking faster than the riders are going. That's how like steep some of the inclines are. Jeez. But then the descents, they hit like 60 miles per hour on a bike, like winding down a hill. Yeah. And it's like, absurd like you're just watching and you're like how do they not just like spin out on this like, so are the teams like countries or is it similar to the drive to survive where it's like red bull has a team same. and mercedes yeah. has a team so sponsorship is it, is it, okay all yeah yep there's um there is a u.s team they're not good but sure. if you wanted to follow them but there are u.s guys on other teams so you're you can be from any country on any specific team um so yeah learning the teams like they're the top team is like jumbo vista like there's all these like Ooh. weird like they're all different names yeah um, that you have to follow, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of drama. On the first day of the tour, two twin brothers from different teams. Yeah, they're brothers, but they raced for different teams. Came in one two. Um, so that was like exciting and fun to watch. Exciting. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It has a lot of drama in it, and yeah, I didn't even think about it. Like it is similar to F one, and I think, like you said, you get it's a lot more relatable because it's something you've done. Like, yeah, pretty much everyone has ridden a bike, and before. it makes it so amazing. You're like, I can't believe they're doing that. You like, there's a stupid hill in my neighborhood that's hard to bike up, and yeah. these guys are they climbing to, like, get a off mountain. the bike and like walk up it. Yeah. I like watch it sometimes. I'm like, why are they not just getting off yeah. the bike and walking <laughs> up the hill? Because that's all we'd be doing. But and the fact, like I said, the 21 days in a row, like there's nothing like that in sports where it's just like this huge competition for that long of a time period and like competing at that level it's like absolutely right. insane also makes you realize it's a sport built for steroids you can see yeah. why lance oh, armstrong yeah. was so good it's mm -hmm. like just having to do that and having to recover and then go out and do the same thing day in and day out for basically a month yeah like that's probably good steroids. So maybe we should get all these guys back on the juice. I and mean, that's mm -hmm. why when they were going through, like if you had to go, you know, all the years that Lance Armstrong would have been stripped of yeah. his titles. Like if you had to give it to the person that like was never associated with oh, any yeah. sort of drug allegation, they would have had to go to like the 20th or 30th Literally, place yeah. person. Cause it's like, that just sounds like 
There's oh, no it's crazy. That, that, yeah, human that shouldn't be humanly possible no. to go out and be in that position and like climb mountains for that yeah. many days in a row. And I think the most insane part of it, you'd have to watch it. It happened yesterday's race is like when a few guys break away and then there's the Peloton, which is like the group of everyone else behind them. And when you see the Peloton's gonna be swallowing up that one or two people who went in the breakaway, that has to be like the worst feeling yeah. in the world. To be that biker and just feel like imagine the sound. I mean, they're all pretty light, like it's microfiber bikes or whatever, but it's like 160, 170 guys just like swallowing you up while you're slowly dying on insane. your bike like the feeling of that has to be so insane you could not be claustrophobic in this sport because they're going down like narrow you know streets in europe and they're taking wide turns like in and today like four or five guys just peel out on their bikes like totally it's just it's crazy and that's similar to driving that regard but you're like you're on a freaking bike yeah. like you have this little helmet on but no other protection form so there's high intensity high drama from all of it and it's totally totally not what i expected it to be like but yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch all right well i'm sold i think that sounds like fun i think i don't know what's going to get people back into it i don't know if it would be an american or like this mm -hmm. kind of uh you know getting that documentary out there and just getting people into it a little bit because that does seem like a fun event there's nothing not to like about no. that it's exciting it's competition it's at a great time of year where there's Perfect nothing timing, else going on they, so, they nailed it not if they were trying to compete with football this would be irrelevant yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so i think they either need to get everybody back on steroids or we need to find an american that can go do that and get people kind of jazzed up mm -hmm. about it again because this sounds fun this is interesting i'm going to watch the documentary and then we can uh we can actually watch the Tour de France while it's going on. Yes. So I think the timing is perfect, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Yes. So that's our homework for everyone. I can do that. Watch an episode of Unchained on Netflix. I might have to get out there and try and find a Tour de France rider when this is all over. Yeah. On the podcast, because I have a lot of questions yeah. about this. <laughs> I really do. I want to hear all about it. And I want to see if uh, it's 4th of July, so I want to see if maybe I can go head to a party and maybe uh, earn myself the uh, the belligerent jersey, and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll go cause a the scene domestic. over at a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, whoever's, the, whoever's the most. The most combative yeah. of the day. <laughs> combative. Shake things up at the party. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys for putting up with our uh, lull of an episode, lull of a uh, sports mm -hmm. season episode. But I think uh, having that Tour de France thing that really jazzes stuff up. Um, hope everybody enjoys their Fourth of July. Yeah. Stay safe. Uh, leaves the day with as many fingers as they came into mm -hmm. it with. And uh, again, follow us on Play Your Yards Right Pod at Insta on Instagram. And uh, feel free to message us there with any questions, anything you want us to cover in uh, until football season ramps up. Mm -hmm. So. Thanks, guys, and have a great 4th of July.